Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Diamond Balls podcast on Go Balls 247. I am Ben McKee, your host here on the podcast, and we are no longer joined by the great Connor Pavoloni because the former Tennessee catcher has reported to spring training. So we have to make a permanent call to the bullpen and bring in the one and only Wes Rucker, who will be joining me on the podcast this year. I do appreciate Pav joining me on the the first one we did this season to preview this team, uh, I thought he was absolutely excellent in, in breaking down uh, kind of what to expect from a couple of different guys. And again, he, he's been around the guys all offseason long training. So I, I didn't think there was anybody better to to give some insight into this year's team. But uh, Wes and I are going to pick it up from here because it, it's not only basketball time in Tennessee, but it is now baseball time in Tennessee, Wes Rucker. Yeah, I'll tell you this, though, Ben. Uh you, you had an actual high-quality college catcher turned prospect catcher. Uh, so instead, you're going from that to uh, very mediocre, could have been a walk-on college first baseman and catcher who probably would have, with a bad back, who was only going to be on the team basically to boost the GPA, but decided to go into sports writing so I could go to a bigger school instead. So uh, that's a hell of a downgrade, but that's the one that y'all have gotten. So sorry. That's okay because I'm a washed up high school pitcher and third baseman slash utility player who who could really play any position. The National League player, I love it. <laughs> yes, I, I, I National League managers would have loved me. Uh, maybe could have played community college baseball if I, I if I would have pursued it a, a little bit harder. Uh, so certainly the downgrade from from Connor Pavoloni. Uh, to us and and my hope is to to get some other former Vols on here throughout the season and uh, as Pav mentioned on that podcast do want to catch up with him uh, during his all-star break and uh, again he was tremendous and and huge thanks to him for joining us but uh, Tennessee baseball plays baseball this weekend and it's a busy time of year Tennessee just knocked off number one Alabama on the basketball court Uh, now Rick Barnes and his club travels north to face those guys up there in Lexington, Kentucky, the the Kentucky Wildcats inside of Rupp Arena. Uh, but across the country, Tony Vitello's club is going to be out in Arizona playing in the MLB Desert Invitational. Uh, Tennessee is going to play Arizona on Friday night at 8 p.m., uh, and that is Eastern time. They'll then play Grand Canyon at 8 p.m. Eastern time again on Saturday. And uh, technically, it is a neutral site tournament, but uh, that game against Grand Canyon will actually be at Grand Canyon. So that'll be actually a road game for Tennessee. 
uh, but then it'll get back to playing a neutral site game on Sunday when it closes out the weekend against UC San Diego at 2 p.m. Uh, big opportunity for Tennessee this weekend. Arizona, a really good baseball program. Grand Canyon, a sneaky good baseball program that went 41 and 21 last season, mm-hmm. 25 and 5 in the WAC. Uh, and then UC San Diego, not the best of teams, um, but hey, it's still a baseball game. And at this point, we'll we'll take any baseball game we can watch. Uh, and West Tennessee did put out in its game notes on Thursday morning its projected rotation, and it came as no surprise. Uh, that Chase Dolander is expected to start on Friday night. Chase Burns is expected to start on Saturday night. Andrew Beam is expected to start on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that didn't really shock me, Ben. I think a lot of us maybe thought they would go in that direction. But there was a thought that I had that, especially in baseball, you you just don't change things when they're working. And, And last season, Dolander in that Saturday role was just really, really, really good. Uh, so you're keeping Beam uh, right there in that that Sunday spot where he's been so good, and man, that's a hell of a Sunday starter for sure. Um, but also, if you're going to be potentially one one in the MLB draft, you probably want the ball on Friday nights, and and so uh, I think Dolander, the way that kid is built, the way that kid is wired, his DNA. If you pitch him on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I don't think it matters. That kid's going to toe the rubber, and he's going to be ready to rock. And I think that's. Um, it, it, it's it, it's just amazing to look at a team again that might have third all three weekend starters could be first round draft picks. It's uh, it's special. It's rare, and I hope people enjoy it because you don't see it very often. Unless an injury pops up to Dolander or Burns, forget three first round picks. I agree with what you're saying, but to to even strengthen your point, if Burns and Dolander stay healthy. That's back-to-back top five picks for for Tennessee because mm-hmm. Burns is already being talked about for next year's draft, the 2024 draft, the same way that Dolander is being talked about right now, and, and that is just silly. And uh, I, I want to Dol- stick- Dolander was hurt. I heard somebody a scout recently say maybe the best college pitching prospect since uh, Steven Strasburg, which is yes. incredible. Incredible to to even if it's true, you still hear it and you go, "Whoa, that can't be true," but. I mean, damn, maybe it is. Yes, that, that that has been a talking point for about a month and a half now from, from several that cover the, the Major League Baseball draft. I know Jim Callis on his MLB Pipeline uh, podcast uh, right around Christmas and the New Year, he, he kind of threw that out there. Uh, I, it might have been him or Jonathan Mayo, one of the two that, that do the podcast together. And it, it is kind of hard to believe um, because not only – is Chase Dolander in the same sentence as Steven Strasburg? And we know what Steven Strasburg was coming out of, of college at San Diego State. But I, I think what makes it crazy to me is thinking about all the the top-tier pitching prospects that have come out of college since. I mean, I mean, just in recent years, your your Kumar Rocker, and obviously he had the shoulder injury thing that that happened, but the Jack Lighters and Casey Mize and, and guys like that. Aaron, I mean, Aaron, Nola, Aaron Nola is another one that stands out, yeah. Right. I mean, there's so many elite pitching prospects that have come out in recent years, and for somebody to say that Dolander is the best since Strasburg, which spans, I think, a little over a decade of elite prospects, and then again, he's in the same sentence as Strasburg, that's wild. And look, I, I'm 
I, baseball is the sport that I know best, but I'm I'm not uh, a, a talent Me too. Uh, evaluator. Um, but I I I see why they they rave about his stuff because his fastball is is dominating. Uh, it it just overwhelms hitters, and it's easy and he, gas. It's easy gas too. His breaking stuff is just absolutely filthy. Uh, last year he was a, a fastball slider pitcher and this year he's going to be more fastball slider and then curveball and I want to say that he's mixed in a, a changeup and, and could throw a cutter if possible but uh, he's a fastball slider guy obviously knows how to throw a changeup but he he's really worked on uh, a curveball this offseason uh, he, he can throw four pitches at a really high level and that's why he is viewed the way that he is because he has four to five pitches that really project uh, to the next level. So it, it's going to be fun to watch him pitch this season. Uh, hopefully he can stay healthy and, and entertain us all season long. Th- there is no surprise, Wes, with the starting rotation. And, and I, I want to stick to to pitching. And, and kind of the theme of this podcast is, is what we're looking forward to seeing about this Tennessee baseball team uh, this weekend. Uh, for complete context, uh, neither Wes or I will be out in Arizona because basketball plays at Kentucky on Saturday. I uh, hate that the the two kind of run up against one another, but it is what it is. It's it's late college basketball season, and uh, baseball will not be neglected. Uh, I, I think anybody can all. pick up yeah. on that base, by the way, uh, that Wes and I both have covered it in the past. And uh, just by seeing the, the amount of stuff that's been written on Tennessee leading into this season, like baseball will not be neglected, but Wes and I will be in Lexington on, on Saturday, so not able to travel out to Arizona. Um, but unless Tennessee makes it like to the final four in basketball, then th- this will be the only weekend uh, road series that that will be missed um, this season. Um, so we will not be out in Arizona. That, that's the point that I was getting at. Um, but we will still be paying attention. Sa- Saturday, we may be pushing it. The, the good news is that Tennessee, Kentucky plays at one o'clock mm-hmm. and then the, the baseball games at eight. So we should be getting back in the Knoxville area uh, around first pitch on, on Saturday, but we'll still be glued. Uh, and, and all three games are glued in, I should say. All three games are are going to be streamed on MLB.com. If your provider is having issues with MLB Network, which I know there's a couple out there who are having disputes, contract disputes with the MLB Network. So if you don't get Friday and Saturday's games on MLB Network because of that, don't worry. They'll all be streamed on MLB.com. Uh, but Wes, kind of in in looking forward to to what we see on the mound this weekend. Obviously, I want to see how Dolander and Burns and and Bean look. Right, it's it's their second year in the program, second year with, with Frank Anderson. It, it's going to be fun to see how much better they've gotten, especially Burns and Bean, because they were wet behind the ears last year, uh, and now they're more mature pitchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Uh, like we all knew what the starting rotation was going to be opening weekend, given that everybody was healthy. What I'm excited to see and learn is how the bullpen shakes out because you you do still have some, some names that people are used to hearing Camden Sewell. And and he's probably going to be the the number one Swiss army knife for Tony yet again. And Frank Uh, Kirby Connell's back Uh, Wyatt Evans. I don't know how much we'll see of him this weekend. Uh, He's, He's been held back a little bit of late. His velo's been down. 
Um, been a little sore. So I think they're being a little cautious with him at the moment. So I, I don't know that we'll necessarily see him, if at all. Uh, Xander Seacrest, Tony talked earlier this week about he's a guy that is probably going to have a role bigger than what he had last season. He's no longer just a, a start the, the midweek game type of guy. He's a guy that can have a specialized role within the weekend. Uh, but I'm really, really, really excited to see the the new faces. Uh, Seth Halverson was here last year, but couldn't play because he was injured. And it sounds like he's really, really throwing well right now. And, and he has big league stuff. And if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a key pitcher for Tennessee. Uh, Zach Joyce, the, the brother of Ben Joyce, he's in the mix. And he's not going to throw as hard as Ben, but he he's more hard. of a complete pitcher. He throws hard. Though. He throws hard, but he's a – He's a more complete pitcher. He, he's more of a pitcher than a thrower. Not and not discrediting Ben. I, I think Ben was more of a pitcher than people give him credit for as well. But the, just two different styles, and that's expected because Ben people don't throw the baseball as hard as Ben Joyce does. That that is not normal. What what Ben Joyce does. Um, but excited to see Zach and and kind of what role he'll have, and and then really Andrew Lindsay as well. Mm-hmm. Seth Alverson and Andrew Lindsay. Really excited to see those two guys pitch this weekend. I, I don't think Tennessee is going to have a designated closer, but Andrew Lindsay is going to be the closest thing to Tennessee's closer this season, and he's been throwing the ball really well of late. He's a high-velocity guy, uh, and, and again, he's just looked really good. So when it comes to the pitching staff, excited to see the starters, of course. They're, they're the sexy toys, but I'm excited to see kind of – what roles are established this early in the season? Yeah, and a couple of of important, or I think they're important points there, Ben, is that remember early in the season they're still building these guys up. So most people will know this, but but some might not. They're not going to throw the starters a ton this weekend. They're not going to throw them a ton for the first few weeks. They're just not that. Vitello and Anderson and those guys they take care of their guys. They build them up as the season goes along. You don't train anybody to be ready to throw like 120 pitches the first few weeks of the year. You just don't do that, uh, and Tennessee doesn't really hardly do that until the postseason anyway. But the so they're going to be on counts. They're they're going to be any sign of anything that doesn't look right. They're going to take them off the mound. Don't be panicked by that. Uh, that's one thing. And the other thing, I don't know how much it'll be a factor, but it absolutely could be. Is that and if you're the fan of a major league baseball team that plays its spring games in Arizona. You probably know this already, but just in case you don't, uh, as someone who's been a Cubs fan my whole life and has seen a lot of spring trainings, uh, you know, games in Arizona and stuff like that, I, I think you got to remember that pitchers do not like and are not used to being out there. They sometimes struggle because it is so dry out there that you cannot grip the ball as well and your breaking stuff, your spin rates, none of them are as good as they will be when you come back home. So remember that if a case a couple of those guys get knocked around a little bit, it might not be that they're not quite sharp yet. It could be that. But it also might just be that in an era where spin rates and everything are king, uh, you cannot usually spin the ball quite as well out there because it is incredibly bone dry. So I know pitchers will, will kind of try to – Get a, get a little bit of something on the ball if they can. Um, you know, they'll try to hydrate as much as they can so they can try to get a sweat going a little bit so they can get a little bit of texture on the ball. But remember, that could be the case this weekend. So if things don't – if they don't go out there and just look dominant early on, 
it could be a couple of different factors and neither one would be anything to worry about. If you want to worry about something, um, worry about a guy who like Ben was just saying about Evans. If a guy is out there and he's throwing well below what his normal velocity would be, then you think, okay, something's not quite right there. That That's maybe a little bit of what you'll look at, but don't, don't you want to look at the results, but remember for many different reasons, that might not be the most important thing right now, especially when you're playing teams who have been practicing in this stuff all year long, all preseason, uh, you have not, obviously. So remember that. We talk about going into the season all the time when Tennessee uh, plays some of these teams early in the season from the Midwest and from the Northeast. Kind of reverse that a little bit because Tennessee's going out West to open this season against some teams that are from out there. So they have not had, they've not been blessed as much as these teams have been in terms of preseason preparation for this tournament. For sure. Absolutely. And, and with Wyatt Evans, I know it's kind of scary to to hear that, oh, his velo's down and, and whatnot, but uh, it does sound like he got checked out and they, they made sure everything was good and everything looked okay uh, after checking on his arm and and, and whatnot, but uh, just kind of taking it slow with him right now because he, he's expected to be a big piece of, of this team. Uh, he, he's a a big lefty that that throws hard and, and has nice breaking stuff, and uh, I've I've penciled him in all off season long into having a, a major role uh, out of the bullpen. Big so old certainly big old donkey, it. big old donkey. He can throw it. Certainly want to make sure that he's good to go by the beginning of of conference play uh, because it, it it would be nice for for Tennessee to beat all three teams this weekend twenty to nothing. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, you you got to be ready for conference play and have your players healthy. Uh, for, for that stretch run uh, here in about a, a month and a half. So uh, interested to see what roles have already formed, mm-hmm. how Tony deploys, I guess I should say Frank Anderson, yeah. deploys uh, different pitchers and different situations, excited to, to see the new guys. Uh, there, there's some freshmen that, that probably have the, the potential to, to earn some innings uh, as well if they can take advantage of, of their early season opportunity so uh, that'll be fun to, to keep track of the the more interesting side of the the baseball is in the field uh and not necessarily as much as you would think for a team that lost every single starter from a season ago we know what the infield is going to look like it's zane denton at third the alabama transfer it's maui ahuna at shortstop the kansas transfer and then christian moore and blake burke they're at second base and first base. That's a sexy-sounding infield, man. It just is. There's a lot of potential there. Yes. Denton, Simo, and Blake Burke are going to hit a ton of home runs uh, this season. Now, I, I will be interested to see how Christian Moore and Blake Burke handle being in the middle towards the top of the lineup mm-hmm. and being – the the names that opponents are circling going into a weekend and th- those two guys especially Blake Burke are are going to see very few fastballs they they, they are not going to get a lot of pitches to hit are are they going to be able to be patient and and lay off the junk lay off the 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 being pitched around and and be patient and, and take their walks and and um when when they do get a pitch, jump on that. Blake Burke's going to hit his homers, and, and Christian Moore will as well. 
but can can they be complete hitters and have a high on base percentage? Can they hit for average? Can they drive in runs? The, those are the leaps that I'm interested in seeing from those two going into the season. But also what's just as important is their defense. They're, they're more known as bats at the moment. And I think they're they're capable defenders, but I'm interested to see how they've grown defensively over the offseason. So the infield is set. We've known the infield was going to be that infield for quite some time. The interesting aspect of Tennessee's lineup going into opening weekend is at the catcher's position and in the outfield. And and they kind of tie into one another Mm -hmm. because Jared Dickey uh, is listed on Tennessee's game notes as the starting center fielder or the projected starting center fielder. And I'm sure that is a surprise to many. Yes. because Jared Dickey was a corner outfielder, uh, and he was also working at catcher uh, for a good chunk of the offseason. And and Jared was making good progress behind the plate, but I do think that when he suffered that hand, wrist, finger injury uh, and had to miss the the last month of fall ball, I think that set him back to a certain extent. And first and foremost, Tennessee wants to get Dickey's bat in the lineup. Mm-hmm. I expect him to be the leadoff hitter. Yes. I he's one of Tennessee's best pure hitters. So you got to get him in the lineup. And I do think Charlie Taylor, and there's nothing against Dickey. I think this is speaks more to to Charlie Taylor. Charlie Taylor is elite defensively. Mm-hmm. You you've heard Connor Pavaloni say it. I've heard coaches say it. I've heard his teammates say it. Like Charlie Taylor behind the plate defensively is is more than a capable SEC catcher. And that's why you're probably going to see him start game one against Arizona on Friday night, because people need to remember that the catching position coaches value the defense more than they value the bat. The bat is always going to be a plus and and the cherry on top. Uh, So that that's probably why you're going to see Charlie Taylor. Not probably. That is why you're going to see Charlie Taylor start at catcher. Uh, and I think that's why you saw Jared Dickey kind of move out to the outfield so that they can get Charlie's glove behind the plate and then Jared's bat, uh, which it was going to be in the lineup regardless of what position Jared plays. But uh, I think the center field aspect of things is is surprising to people. And uh, I, I would say that he has lost – and this, this has been a story that's been well documented. He's lost a lot of weight yes. since he stepped a foot on campus as a true freshman. And I saw him Tuesday at, at – the media availability and he's chiseled man he is rock solid i mean absolutely rock solid and i, I don't think people realize how how quick he actually is it, uh, it's a little it's a little bit reminiscent of grant williams in, in terms yeah. of he was a much better athlete than anyone ever thought maybe even he thought he was correct but i even think jared is a, a much better athlete than probably grant is not not saying that grant's not a good athlete um, but I, I still think there's an aspect of of Grant's game that's very rough and tough and very physical. And then Jared's a physical guy as well. Um, but I, I do think there's a more a little more lateral quickness and, and kind of that type of athleticism more to Jared than than there is Grant. And, and that's why you see him in center field. Uh, I, I'll be curious to see what he looks like in in, in center field. Um, I, I'm very curious to see if if he can track down baseballs out, out there like like Drew Gilbert did. Not not saying that he has to be Drew Gilbert, but uh, the the center field position is different than than left and right field. You you have a you have more weight on your shoulders out there. You you have more responsibility. So interested to see how that plays out. But that was kind of the surprising development 
if you've been paying attention to the checkerboard uh, over at GoVols 247, you, you've kind of been aware of this coming. Uh, but now that Tennessee's officially put out its projected lineup uh, ahead of Friday night's game, uh, Charlie Taylor at catcher, Kyle Booker in left field, Jared Dickey in center field, and Christian Scott in right field, uh, that was the surprising combination. I would have thought Christian Scott in center field. That that would have been my thought. But, you know, that I, I usually default back to coaches know their teams better than I do. So there's probably a reason why they're doing that. Uh, but you, you mentioned a little bit of this in the infield. And, and I think it's also worth mentioning in, in center field because uh, Drew Gilbert and Luke Lipsius were absolutely phenomenal and still are, I mean, you know, with, with Gilbert's case, phenomenal defensive players. Luke Lipsius saved so many runs over there at first base, saved so many errors uh, with just wonderful picks, great throws from, from, from cuts, different things that he did throughout the game, throughout the season, that were just so much more difficult than people think they are. And normally on that turf field, you get a better bounce for some of those picks and everything, so that's fair play, that helps. Um, but still... The, the way that he played at defensively at first base was absolutely incredible. And, and the way that Gilbert played in center field, everyone knows how good defensively he is. So, so that is just huge for Tennessee. And also, I mean, Ahuna, we know how talented he is. He needs to go on there and do that too because you, you look at who Tennessee's had at shortstop the past few years. You look at uh, with, with Denton, you look at what Tennessee's had at third base the past couple years. Um they, they've had some really dynamic defensive players, guys who might occasionally make an error on something where they shouldn't, but also guys who made so many more plays out of their zone than they should have been able to make. And those little things are going to be so important now because if Tennessee, you have to assume the offense will not be quite as explosive as last season because last season was historic and you're not going to get that every year. You just have to expect that. So if you go down just a little bit there and then you put Charlie Taylor's bat in at catcher, which even if he's better than he was last season, which let's hope to God he is, he's still not an offensive first guy. So the numbers there are going to dip a little bit. You got to make up for that in other places. It can't just be pitching. You, you have to play defensively stout too. And they need to do that. And I think they have the ability to do that, but they got to go out there and prove it, especially if in some positions in the outfield, they're jumbling around and playing different guys in different days. Um, you, need, you you don't really quite get the same rhythm that you would have had the last couple of years. So yeah, they they, they got to play their way into into cohesion there. Yeah, and let's stick to the catcher position. And, and I I should have stayed there uh, because there, there's some thoughts that we need to discuss. Uh, I should have been a better podcast host uh, and 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 discuss that before jumping to the outfield because I, I did not complete. Uh, my my thoughts on, on the catcher position. And, and we also have a couple of things that, that we need to discuss uh, when it comes to Tennessee's outfield uh, as well. On top of Jared Dickey uh, starting the year uh, in center field, although he'll, he'll I think he's going to end up bouncing around. He can play all three outfield spots. He, he can still catch. Uh, he can play first base uh, if need be. And, and who knows? He, he may be the DH here and there uh, as well. So need to discuss Tennessee's catcher, uh, a little catching situation, a little more in depth. Uh, and we also need to discuss Tennessee's outfield rotation to start the season a little more in depth as well. But first, we do need to take a break. Uh, and we will be right back here on the Go Vols 247 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker, talking Tennessee baseball ahead of its big weekend in Arizona. Opening weekend, almost as great as opening day uh, around Major League Baseball. And for those who appreciate Tennessee baseball and have really picked up uh, their following of the program since Tony Vitello has got it going the last couple of years, I, I think they enjoy opening weekend as much as they enjoy opening day in Major League Baseball as well. Before Wes and I jump back into the conversation, do want to encourage you to take a minute out of your day and go like, rate, and review the podcast for us. That would be a, a great help for us, and, and we certainly appreciate you doing that. If you if you could take just a moment out of your day to go do that for us. Wesley, this catcher position, I, I, I think people may raise an eyebrow when – when they hear that Charlie Taylor is going to be the starting catcher uh, because of what they assume he is offensively. And, and they're right for making that assumption. But I, I will add two things uh, that that should be noted. And, and that is that I do think Charlie Taylor has improved as a hitter. I, I don't think that he's ever going to be middle of the lineup and he's not going to be the best hitter on the team, but he's not as, as bad as, his numbers would indicate the last two seasons uh, and in watching him in the fall and talking to some around the program, I, I do think he has improved with the bat in his hand. How, how much? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. At some point you do have to, to go prove it in a game, but Hey, look, if he's hitting pitches in the fall and, and he's hitting pretty well leading into the season as well, guess who he's hitting it off of? Those Tennessee pitchers that we just raved about uh, a couple of minutes ago. So, again, I, I'm not saying that Charlie Taylor is going to go hit 
even 250. I, I, I don't know. He's in there for his defense, which he uh, is really good defensively. And I think he's going to be able to provide more with the bat than people realize. Yeah, Ben, to me, and I think this is important to note, uh, and you played the game like I did, you know, at a, at a lower level like I did, but you still played the game and know that there is no, there's no way to simulate, replicate true game at bats. Nothing gets you better than true game at bats. Tennessee does a lot of good on good, does a lot of nine on nine stuff, and they practice all the time. And, and, and you know, Big Chuck's facing really good pitchers in practice all the time. Um, and, and Tennessee takes BP seriously, even when the coaches are throwing it. So there's a lot of good stuff there, but nothing replaces game reps. And playing one day a week is nothing compared to playing three or four times a week. And and, and even if it's just two or three times a week for Chuck, let's say maybe they start somebody else, one game a series, whatever they're going to do, seeing pitches every single day or, or lots of times in a game makes you better. And being a catcher, in actual game situations also gets you in rhythm, gets you seeing more pitches from the same angle from basically where you're going to be hitting them from. It it helps you in so many ways. So even if Taylor gets off to a sluggish start to the season, if he just sticks to it and doesn't kind of get mentally drained, and I think last year you saw in the postseason, mentally the kid's tough, man. He had some great at-bats, drew some walks, did some really good stuff there. So – he he doesn't need to be a 300 hitter. He doesn't need to be a 15 home run guy. He just needs to give good quality at bats, see more pitches, and his numbers will go up a little bit. They just will. Like, I refuse to believe he's that big a hitter. I've watched the kid take BP. I've, I've seen not nearly as many as you have, but the past couple of years, seen a couple of practice situations here and there, and the, the kid, he's at Tennessee for a reason. Like, he can hit the baseball a little bit. So I, I think, yeah, is he going to do what Evan Russell did with the bat? No. Um, but there were times, in, and, and Connor Pavoloni would be the first to tell you this, where he was banged up or he was kind of in a rut offensively, and his bat wasn't great. Um, but he was such a great defensive player that he was still worth being in there every day. And I think that's okay for Tennessee. It's just... You know, you, Tennessee got a little bit spoiled with having Russell's bat in there, and that was the thought with having Dickey back there, is that that would be, you get spoiled with the bat like that back there. But the old-fashioned ways can still work. Put your best defensive catcher back there, hope that he can at least move the line along offensively, and do enough. He's not an automatic out. That That's my Agreed. opinion. Agreed. Uh, and, and he will be a better hitter than than he has shown in the past in, in my opinion he, he's a great kid the entire team absolutely loves him he, he has a great work ethic uh, and again people can get mad if he does struggle offensively but his, his value to, to what he's going to bring defensively far outweighs potential struggles at the plate and, and here's the other thought on that catching position uh, that needs to be mentioned uh, is that uh, it, it's not solely his job. I mean, it, he's not the everyday starting catcher. Uh, he Cal Stark is is going to play a ton. Mm-hmm. He, he Tennessee has four catching options: Jared Dickey, Charlie Taylor. Jared Dickey's a bat. Charlie Taylor's a glove. Cal Stark is the best mix of both of them. He he, he doesn't have the bat that Dickey has. He doesn't have the glove that Charlie has. But he's got a better bat than Charlie and a better glove than Jared. I hope that makes it does. sense. It does. He, he's the best of of both worlds. And look, Tennessee also has Ryan Miller back there, and and I don't anticipate him uh, catching defensively a lot of innings this season. Um, but 
he's a bat that has a lot of power. Yeah, his B, his BP the past couple his BPs last year when they did like the redshirting guys or whatever BP last year. My God, he's got some power when he he had some really big days. Let's put it that way. Yes, for sure. And he had some big home runs in, in the fall as well. Uh, so he he is a guy that I don't expect to get regular opportunities this first month, but I think he'll get opportunities here and there. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the DH one of the games opening weekend. Uh, at, my point is that at some point he's going to get an opportunity for his bat in the lineup, most likely as a DH. And, and if he can produce, like he'll he'll continue to get bats. So I, I don't expect him to be in the game necessarily as a defensive guy, but he, he will get some opportunities. And, and Tony Vitello has talked about it publicly as well, talked about how big of a bat he has. So Tennessee ha- has four options back there at catcher. Obviously, uh, again, we, we've said it multiple times, coaches are going to, to to really place more value on what they bring defensively than what they bring with the bat, and that's why you're going to see Charlie Taylor start at catcher. But I guarantee you Cal Stark's going to start game two uh, against Grand Canyon on Saturday night. If he doesn't for some reason, he'll start on Sunday. He'll start one of the games at catcher this weekend. I, I, I like the idea of him having a guy that he normally starts with on the weekend, uh, whether it's, you know, Saturday or Sunday, who, just regardless, whether it's Beam or Burns, whichever one that he has a better rapport with for whatever reason, I, I think it makes a whole lot of sense to have a guy, you saw this with Greg Maddox for years, uh, and it works with other people too, where if a guy normally works with a certain catcher, I I just think that helps them be on the same page and you feel good about that battery. So uh, far be it for me to tell anybody how to do their job, especially people who win like Tennessee does, but that's just an idea off the top of my head. Yeah, and, and I I like that. Uh, obviously, that's a thing in the, the major leagues. Uh, my, my Yankees, Garrett Cole, apparently yeah. has to pitch to Kyle Higashioka almost every game. Uh, he opened up a little bit more with Jose Trevino last year, but I don't really like that philosophy because I feel like it hurts you once you get into the postseason and you're pigeonholed into one option and, and one option only. And I think that can really come back to bite you in the butt fair. when it matters most. Uh, but Charlie and Cal, Charlie Taylor and Cal Stark, they're, they're essentially p- platooning. And whoever plays the best this month, month and a half, leading in the conference play, they'll they'll be the starter at catcher going into conference play. So uh, we obviously started the conversation with Charlie, but do need to note that uh, th- there are other guys who will will receive opportunities, most notably Cal Stark uh, with Jared Dickey moving out into the outfield. And, and then this weekend with the outfield, you're going to see a different outfield combination every single game. And, and part of that is because, A, Griffin Merritt, the Cincinnati transfer, is suspended the first two games because which, which is just was, perfect. It's perfect for to, to, was, to start your Tennessee baseball career by already being suspended is just the most perfect thing ever. Yes, it'll be an interesting weekend because Griffin Merritt suspended the first two games because he was ejected not during his last game at Cincinnati, but following. Yes, you can get ejected or punished or however you want to term it uh, for the way he went after an umpire, not necessarily physically, but verbally went after an umpire following his last game at Cincinnati, uh, kind of thought that it was going to be his last ever college baseball game. He, he was dead set on going to Ohio State and doing dental school, but 
Uh, and because of that, he thought he would get his money's worth uh, after that last game at Cincinnati. Um, and then all of a sudden decides to play baseball again. And now he has to serve a two game suspension. So he didn't do anything like terribly wrong. Uh, just essentially got ejected. And in college, when you get ejected, you have to, you have to serve a two game suspension. So he'll be out. And then remember Frank Anderson, he also has to finish out his suspension from the Notre Dame series. So he'll miss the first game on Friday night. And the funny part is that his first game back on Saturday, it'll be with the umpire that ejected him in the Notre Dame series. So Good quite times. the coincidence. Good times. Good times. Yes. Good times there. So that that plays a, a part in why the outfield will will have a different rotation in each game this weekend. Uh, I expect Griffin Merritt to to be an everyday starter, uh, assuming that he produces, which I, I don't believe that that's going to be an issue. Uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see uh, how he um, catches up to to SEC pitching because not that the AAC was bad or not that he's automatically going to struggle or, or whatnot, but it is going to be an adjustment. And I think he's already kind of gone through that adjustment in going from facing the pitching that he was to facing Tennessee's pitchers. I mean, Tennessee's pitchers are as good of an SEC pitching staff as you're going to find. Uh, so he he's already battled that adjustment, uh, and then he'll have to continue to adjust, just like any baseball player, over the course of the season. So I expect him to be a an everyday starter in, in one of the, the corner outfield spots, probably left field but I would not rule out right field. So you you have Dickey and Merritt that you can pencil in, and that leaves four guys vying for for that one, one spot, uh, and, and that is uh, Kyle Booker, Christian Scott, and then the two freshmen, Dylan Dryling and Reese Chapman. And each one has a, a leg up for, for different reasons. Uh, I, I don't know that the freshmen necessarily – have legs up, but they they're very very talented. That they are Jordan Beck and and Drew Gilbert all over again uh, as freshmen. Not not in the sense of that's who they are as players, but in terms of their ability to impact games as freshmen. And we didn't really get to see it with Beck and Gilbert because their freshman years were was 2020 the the COVID years. Um, but you started to see it before that season got canceled. I'm saying that they Dryling and Chapman, they have the ability to impact games as a freshman the way Beck and, and Gilbert did. They have that much talent. And, and Tennessee is kind of surprised that uh, Chapman and, and Dryling even made it to campus. They they kind of thought that the the pro teams, their, their evaluation specifically on Chapman wasn't correct. Uh, and they were very thankful that they got them uh, to campus. So they'll get early season opportunities and it'll be up to them to to make the most of it. And if they do, They'll, I think they'll factor in at times, kind of like Kyle Booker in his freshman season in 2021. He he kind of got his pinch hit appearances here and there, maybe a start here and there, late game substitution. I, I think those guys will get those type of opportunities. Uh, but if Christian Scott and Kyle Booker struggle, then maybe they can have more of an opportunity. But I do think Booker and Scott have a leg up on those two freshmen, A, because Kyle Booker has all the potential and talent all the the potential in the world i think everyone who's been around the site the past few years knows exactly how i feel about kyle booker his bat speed uh his bat speed his ability to put the bat on the ball his 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 sneaky pop like his athleticism i am a huge believer in kyle booker but you got to put it together because one who one who uh don't or or won't is no different from one who who can't so i mean you you gotta you you gotta go out there and do it 
Yeah, you you do. And kind of a, a Trey Lipscomb, Jarrell Ortega type of story going on there with, with Kyle uh, in terms of Drew Gilbert and Jordan Beck have have had two of the three outfield spots on lockdown the last three seasons. Uh, so there there hasn't been a ton of opportunity for playing time. And a, as a freshman, Evan Russell was out in left field. So uh, Kyle Booker's freshman year, Evan Russell, Drew Gilbert, and Jordan Beck was out there in the outfield. Just not a whole lot, lot of opportunities for for playing time. Uh, and then last season, he, he dealt with a, a wrist injury, if I remember correctly, uh, dealt with an, an injury early in the season. I, I don't want to necessarily use the word derail, um, but it, it threw his sophomore season off course. It it, it it prevented something, anything from happening for Booker last year. Just kind of got behind the eight ball, struggled. Uh, obviously, you still had Beck and, and Gilbert out there, but Seth Stevenson and, and Jared, Dick, Jared Dickey, uh, because of Kyle's injury early in the year, kind of gave them a, a leg up in, in, in left field. So, uh, Booker has all the ability in the world. We'll, we'll see if that, that talent finally breaks out this season. Uh, and then Christian Scott, Tony Vitello just absolutely loves Christian Scott because he can he can do it all. He's a great kid. He's been in the program, been around. Uh, he, he can he can be a defensive replacement. He's started games. Uh, he's come in late in games. He's pinch hit. He, he's pinch run. Uh, he's a good leader, good role model inside the clubhouse. That experience is why you're going to see him in the starting lineup on opening day. Yeah, Ben, I, I've said this uh, a couple of times too, and I, I I don't remember you saying it, but I'm pretty sure it sounds like something you also would say because it's just the kind of thing that makes sense. It, it is that programs need guys like like Christian Scott. They they need guys like Charlie Taylor. They need those guys who are willing to work their way up the ranks, are willing to be great clubhouse guys, are willing to be unselfish. And those are the kind of guys that you want to have success. And you go into a season wanting to give those guys opportunities because you feel like they've earned them and you want to see them take off and do something with them. And Christian Scott gave Tennessee some tremendous at-bats off the bench last season. Uh, he's a guy who who made an absolutely fantastic play um, against Florida down there in Gainesville. That was one of the plays of the season. Uh, he, he's a good baseball player and someone you would like to see have success. The only question that that I have, uh, and not just about him, about the entire outfield is baseball can be a sport where guys who play all the time get in a rhythm and they, they feel good. And, and, and sometimes when you're juggling the lineup a little bit and juggling positions, it, it doesn't work as well for guys. Should that matter? I don't know, but it does in some cases. So is this going to be a team where while they're figuring out who their best lineup is, and even if they have to jumble things throughout the season a little bit, is that going to affect them or are they still going to be locked in and ready to go all the time with their opportunities? To me, that could be a huge storyline throughout the season because there's other guys too that, that I'm, I'm not sure that we've even mentioned or think about often, you know, tears Hensley, some of these other guys who also are guys who, you know, maybe you could be good enough to play. And, and there's different guys throughout the program, maybe a freshman that, that they're not expecting much from. They think him as in, of him as a developmental guy but he gets better throughout the season and he gives them a decision to make. So the, you see that with a lot of guys. And and so it's just weird because Tennessee was able to rely on the same cast of characters so often last season and things gelled and everybody knew their roles and everybody was good. 
Um, it's not always like that. You know, sometimes you got to figure out as the season goes along, that's what a normal season is. So are these guys going to thrive in that environment where there's a lot of competition and they're fighting for playing time and they might start for a couple games and then not start for a week? How are they going to handle that? To me, that's a really interesting thing that happens in most seasons and just wasn't the case with Tennessee the past year or so. Yeah, I, and I, what, what's interesting about this team is that with the pitching staff, there there's not enough innings to go around. There, there's just not. True. Uh, I, I I think either Dickey or Dolander said it when they met with the media earlier this week, or or maybe it was something else. I think it was one of those two guys. Said I I, I think it was Dolander. Just flat out said like Lindsey, Andrew Lindsey, and and Seth Halverson and uh, Zach Joyce. Like they're not going to pitch as much as they should. Like they're they're not the the innings pitched is not going to equal what their talent is um, because there are so many capable arms. So like with Tennessee's pitching staff, at least going into the year, there's not enough innings to go around. There 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 is a long list of names that are, are going to get opportunities, and, and like there are freshmen who, when Tony first got here, would have been in, in key roles, but probably will barely sniff the field. This year will be limited to midweek action. Um, whereas then you look at the position players and I don't think it's that at all. Uh, I, I I think there's a shorter list of players that will play frequently than there has been in the past. And what I expected even a month ago, I, I think it's probably a list of 11 to 12 guys Um Outside of the the starters, uh, I, I would say Logan Chambers is a name that we have not mentioned, but I, yeah. I had a great him, summer. Had a great summer. I can see him DHing, uh, and, and he's a, a name that uh, the staff is is still high on. Uh, and we talk about Booker being behind some guys. They they kind of felt like that was the same way with with Logan Chambers that that he got here and was was behind some guys and and because he was behind some guys that that caused him the struggle because he was putting too much pressure on himself but he's somebody that I expect to to get at bats early in the season and and I don't know that he'll be in a, a starting role consistently maybe at the DH spot if if he can prove himself because he's not starting over Zane Denton at third base it, it would take an injury uh, for that to happen in in my estimation um, but he, he's the guy that's going to get pretty frequent at bat. So you, you can include him. I, I would say that all five outfielders are, are going to play for the most part, but only three can can start. Or I guess it's six outfielders uh, when you add in Merritt. Uh, I, I'm Dryling and, and Chapman, they'll, they'll get their opportunities. We'll, we'll see how many or, or how much playing time they receive over the course of the season. And, and then like Cal Stark. Um, I mean, those are kind of the, the first guys – Whoever's not catching that day, they'll be a, one of the top guys off the bench. Uh, the the two to three outfielders that aren't playing that day, they'll they'll be one of the top people off the top of the bench. And then Logan Chambers, th- those are kind of the guys that that I see receiving playing time outside of the starters. I I can see in Hunter Inslee and Austin Jazlove playing here and there, but I don't know how much uh, they're going to have to take advantage of their early season opportunities uh jake kendrow is a is a, a freshman uh infielder uh who i think doesn't completely fit your 
description a moment ago to a T uh, of a freshman who kind of progresses quicker and, and forces him to make a decision. He fits that mold, but I still don't think he's going to receive a ton of playing time. They they were very pleased and um, pleasantly surprised by where he was in the fall for a true freshman. I, I think he was further along than they anticipated. But even he, I, I really don't see him getting a ton of playing time unless he just really comes on out of nowhere, quite frankly. So pitching staff, a ton of, ton of depth. And I do think there's depth with the position players. I just don't think it's maybe as deep as as we anticipated uh, coming into the season. Yeah, I think you're right about both of those things. I think and those, I should have mentioned Kavar's tears. Yeah, that, uh, I, well. I, I mentioned him earlier as a guy who, in terms of pure power, my goodness, that kid can put on a display with the bat. So you just hope that things click for him at some point and he gets an opportunity because he, he could – there's a, a lot of potential there, but you're right. The pitching staff is where it is. Like, name me a pitching staff, even like top tenish teams around the country. Name me any of those teams that don't have Camden Sewell or White Evans in their weekend rotation. It's not. It wouldn't happen. Those guys would be in the weekend rotation just about anywhere. They would be. And right now at Tennessee, they're not because look at the three names at the top of the list. So yeah, it's much more an issue with pitching, um, but also with pitching last thing I've got anyway is that they're going to have guys out there with infinitely better stuff than Redmond Walsh. I mean, no offense to his changeup because his changeup was an unbelievable pitch. Um, but they're going to have guys who have better stuff than him, much better stuff than him. But also, you gave the ball to Redmond Walsh at the end of the game, and even if it wasn't pretty, you knew that game was going to end up as a win. You knew it. And so now they got to figure out who's next in line to do that. Do they – well, they have a guy by the end of the season who they know push comes to shove. Uh, you give him the ball, whether it's the seventh, eighth, ninth, whenever it is, and he's going to get the biggest outs of the game. Do they have a guy that's going to have the the mental fortitude, intestinal and testicular fortitude to do that? Uh, they got to find somebody. Maybe it's Kirby Connell. Maybe it's somebody else. Um, maybe one of those hard throwing youngsters will be able to do it. Maybe Joyce is a guy who can do that. You know, I we we will see. But they got to find somebody for that role because. Those last few outs of a game are really, really important. Yeah, and, and one last thing that I'm interested to see this weekend uh, is kind of that DH spot. Uh, I think there are several guys who are in contention, and, and I don't think that that's going to be a a set player is the DH at every single game uh, th- throughout the season. I think it's going to be based off of, of matchups uh, and kind of who's hot, who's not type of deal. Um, but Logan Chambers, Kavaris Tears, uh, one of those outfielders that, that aren't in the outfield that day. Uh, Cal Stark is a great DH uh, nominee. Uh, Ryan Miller is, is also somebody who can DH and probably will get an opportunity, as I, as I talked about earlier. So those guys that I just mentioned – they're going to have to take advantage of their early season opportunities. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just as as simple as that. Because although we just kind of shortened the list of, of guys who are going to play in the field, it, it's still more depth than what most teams have. Like mo, mo, most teams would be killing to, <laughs> to have the depth that, that Tennessee has. Uh, it, it just doesn't feel as deep as it has in, in recent years for Tennessee. And that that's fine. They still have plenty uh, of talent and, and plenty of options to, to go out and and – handle business my biggest concern going into the season isn't the pitching isn't the hitting they're they're gonna 
They're going to pitch. They're going to get guys out. They're, they're going to hit. They're going to score runs. My question is, how are they going to be defensively? I, I think that's been an inconsistency for them leading up to the season in, in scrimmages and practices. That that can't be something that rears its ugly head all that often because you can have all the dominating pitchers you want. You, you can hit as many home runs and score as many runs as you want. If you don't play defense, those pitchers, unless they just strike everybody out, and even Dolander and, and Burns and Beam can't strike everybody out. Like Beam is a contact pitcher. Yep. He needs to have good defense behind him. Though You've got to play good defense. That, that will spoil a season in a heartbeat and be the reason that you don't achieve your goals or, or live up to, to expectations or, or live up to, to the potential. So I, I'm not anticipating the defense being – top-notch to, to start the season. Part of that is the fact that it is the start to the season, but also there's a lot of newness out in the field uh, as well. And there's a lot of almost the entire lineup, you look at them in the lineup and you think of their bat first and foremost. And I realize that, that, realize that that's kind of a natural thing as sports fans anyways, but there, there are some guys that need to prove themselves defensively. And I think, think it's going to be a steady progression but something that needs to develop sooner rather than later yeah that's my that's a a great question my other one last thing i have is personality just what will the personality of this team be are they going to be um with some of the really boisterous guys who were leading the the group last year with those guys gone is this team going to be quite as hated as that one was? Is it going to carry itself the same way? Is it going to, is it going to be ride or die with each other and everybody else can die? I mean, or or are they going to be a little bit more, I don't want to say normal, but you know, how different are they going to be? That's going to be a question. Cause you know, Vitello said, I don't care how they are. As long as they get their meat and potatoes done, you can do whatever you want on top of that, but you better, better get your meat and potatoes. Um, So I wonder how they will be, uh, with their personality, who will emerge as the leaders, and will that affect the personality of the team? And just how how motivated are they to correct the way last season ended? Because last season, several scouts said the best college baseball team they'd ever seen, and it didn't even get to Omaha. So are they motivated enough by the way that ended to make sure that doesn't happen again? Because there absolutely will be no sneaking up on anyone without question. Your people, people hate you. You wear that uniform right now. These days, people are going to hate you. That's just how it is. How are they going to handle that? And will they have the the toughness to overcome that? And will they do that by being calm or by being in your face and you know ready to fight twelve rounds every day? It is funny though. You're right when you say that Tennessee baseball is hated right now. But there sure were a lot of transfers lining up to come play for Tony Vitale in this baseball program True. over the offseason. True. Um, I not I'm not as many as LSU, but quite a bit. Well, Tennessee was in on those guys that went to LSU too. True, it was. It was. And and may may or may not have cooled on a couple of them uh throughout the process. And, and to your point about uh kind of the the mentality that the program has had. Uh, I, I, they're still going to have the us against the world and, and they're going to still play with a ton of passion. That That's what makes Tony Vitello so great. But I do believe that there was a realization that it needs to be toned down some uh, a little bit. I, I do think that that has been a, a slight, quiet 
point of emphasis, something that the program has a whole has worked on. Also, it, it, also Gilbert's it, not there every day, which probably changes things a little bit. No, but you also have Maui Ahuna, yeah, who starts fights at USA Baseball, yeah, and Blake Blake Burke is a ball of of energy. Um, and I, I, I mean, I wouldn't put him in, in the conversation like a, a Drew Gilbert. And I mean, there, there is such a misconception about Drew Gilbert. I mean, he is like literally the nicest person on the planet. He is. He really it's is. Just when he, he really when he's is. playing baseball, he, he becomes the Tasmanian <laughs> devil. That, that's, that, that's how a five foot eight guy became a, a first round draft pick basically. Correct. But they, they still had those personalities. Maui Ahuna is that type of personality. And I'll tell you who else is. Seth Halverson is every bit of Drew Gilbert. He is the pitching version of Drew Gilbert. He is an absolute maniac on the mound. Uh, so they, they still have those personalities. Don't don't get it twisted. But I do think there's been a point of emphasis to to tone it down a little bit. Not 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 lose the passion. Not not get away from what the program has been built on, and that is that passion and, and energy and the intensity and and heart that they play with but all the extra stuff that when they have come up short it's it's reared its ugly head and been a contributing factor Tennessee played its worst baseball of the season uh, against Notre Dame or arguably its worst baseball you can talk about Kentucky talk about maybe that Tennessee Tech loss um but that I I mean that. I mean, they, there's not really many options to pick from, um, but that in Kentucky was the the worst baseball of the season for Tennessee. And in that Notre Dame series, yes, they they played poorly from a baseball standpoint, but what also contributed to them coming up short of Omaha was how they lost their cool within that series. And I, I think that's kind of been the point of emphasis: keep playing with the energy and the passion, but let let's not do the extracurricular stuff that that really bites us the the stuff outside of baseball that hurts us so we'll we'll see how that manages uh, or, or how that plays out it, it's one thing to talk about it it's a, it's another thing to do it when the bullets yeah, you start get, flying yeah and that's where i think tony and a lot of those guys default back to who they are and, and, and that's not the worst thing in the world but still no it, it's not but it, it'll be a fun baseball season how do we? How does it turn out? I don't know, but I do know it's going to be entertaining. That that is for sure. And Wes and I will be back at some point next week uh, to discuss what takes place uh, this weekend. Uh, it's obviously a busy basketball weekend as well with the trip up to Kentucky. But I hope we can regroup on, on Monday or or Tuesday, or, or maybe we wait until after the the two games against Alabama A&M to, to have a five-game sample size to talk about. But the point is, at some point next week, we'll have another Diamond Vols podcast. So, Wes, appreciate you, my friend. Anytime, man. You know that. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, 
Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount+, Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.